It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch. Can't wait, can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome on in to the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch, your host. Adrian Lizer is not alongside this week as he is out coaching volleyball. Go Brighton Bengals. We are a big Brighton uh, aficionado here on the Saturday show as Adrian is one of the coaches over there for their women's volleyball program. And best of luck to them as they compete uh, this afternoon. They've been competing actually since yesterday. I think it's a two-day tournament they've been playing in. But Thanks again for joining us. A lot to talk about on today's edition of the Saturday Show. A little shorter than normal. Uh, those of you listening in here on the Zone Sports Network, we just got done with the LSU-Utah State game. LSU, the number 5 ranked team in the country, comes away with a 42-6 win over the Aggies. And tough loss for Utah State because early in this game, Utah State had their chances to hang right there with LSU. Even halftime, it was a 21-6 ball game. And you felt like, okay, if Utah State could come out, get something going in the second half, they might be able to have an opportunity here. But alas, it was not meant to be as Utah State, like I said, falls to the tune of 42-6. to Another multi-interception game for Jordan Love in this contest. Just 15 of 30 for 130 yards, zero touchdowns against three interceptions. Third time this season he's had multiple interceptions in one game. I believe he's up to six or seven interceptions on the season as compared to six touchdowns. I mean, kind of a tough go for him, honestly, uh, in some of these games for the Aggies. They fall to 3-2 on the season. And they now return home, have a bye week next week before returning to uh, Mountain West Conference play the week following that as they host Nevada. So uh, safe travels to the Aggies as they head home. Scott Gerrard, our uh, boss here at the Zone Sports Network, the play-by-play voice for Utah State. I uh, wish them nothing but the best as they travel home from Baton Rouge. But a tough loss. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Aggies as a team only rushed for 19 yards overall on 22 carries. Uh, Best running back on the day was Gerald Bright. Eight carries for 18 yards, an average of 2.3 yards per carry. Not a great day if you're a Utah State Aggie. But this was a game that I felt like Utah State, and we're going to start off here, I guess we should say we're starting off with Utah State recapping this game. But I felt like Utah State had their opportunities early. They got an interception that was returned to the 7-yard line. Aggies unable to make that into anything more than a field goal. Later in the game, they move down the field and stall out, and then they have to kick a second field goal. So it was 7-6 to six in the first quarter, and that's when LSU just started pulling away from them. Uh, Jordan Love and the Aggie offense showed some signs of life early. I was actually pretty impressed with them early on in this game. Then it got bogged down. LSU just got all kinds of athletes all over the field, and they, they took it to Utah State. I really like what LSU has been doing this season and seeing them up close and personal, if you will, seeing what they did against Utah State. I think it kind of shows that, hey, this program, they're ranked number five in the country for a reason. I think LSU's got aspirations of making the college football playoff this year, as they should. Uh, Joe Burrow actually set a program record for LSU for the Tigers by notching his fourth consecutive 300-yard passing game. He finished this game 27 of 38 for 344 yards, five touchdowns, another five touchdowns on the scene as in against one interception. 
His touchdown to interception ratio this season, 22 to 3. Absolutely phenomenal. He has been a revelation early this season. Seeing LSU's offense do it early, do what they're doing early this season is also very impressive. And then not to be outdone, the LSU rushing attack was plenty potent in their own right. As a team, they carried the ball 51 times for 248 yards, an average of 4.9 yards per carry. Joe Burrow added the lone touchdown on the ground in this game. So he had six total touchdowns in the game. And Dominant, dominant win for you, for LSU as they improved to five and zero on the season. Like I said, Utah State they are now three and two as they return home to Logan, enjoy a bye week next week. And after all the guys we saw come up um, injured in that game, a lot of number of big names uh, were limping off the field for Utah State. Sure looks like they could use a bye week here to get a little bit healthier. We're going to talk about the other local programs, BYU and Utah, enjoying their bye weeks this week. They are not in action today. Get to some interviews from DJ and PK in the morning later on today that talk about those two teams with some former players. Uh, speaking of Kyle Gunther, former Utah offensive lineman, as well as Brian Keel, a former BYU linebacker. Get their thoughts on the two programs as they enjoy the bye week and get ready for games next week. Uh, so, yeah, like, just starting off today, tough loss for Utah State. But thanks again for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. It's a blast to be with you guys on this Saturday afternoon. Weather's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, if you don't happen to be watching General Conference or if you're out and about just doing whatever you're doing on a Saturday, thanks for joining us. We're, we're here on every Saturday, from usually from 1 to 4 p.m. Uh, when we have football games, we get preempted a little bit, but glad to be on air now talking uh, college football. Let's run down some of the other scores in college football for you guys. Catch up on where we stand right now. Uh, big game of the day just underway at the Swamp in Florida. Actually, it's about halfway through the first quarter. Uh, Florida up 7-0 on Auburn as Auburn lines up for a field goal here. Uh, number 7 team, speaking of Auburn, it's the number 10 team Florida in SEC action. One of the big games this week. We'll keep you updated on that uh, throughout the game. And should be a should be an interesting contest because these are two teams that very much have aspirations like LSU of being true contenders in the SEC and also the national title race. Auburn bangs through a field goal, so 7-3 to three the score there. So we'll keep you updated all afternoon on scores up and down uh, college football. But let's run down everything that we saw in early action today. Uh, earlier today, number 6 Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, and we need to get to this a little bit later. Um, Eric, remind me of this later. We probably need to do a special edition of of technical fouls. I don't know if you saw what happened at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Oh, last yeah. Night. It was unreal. Yeah, it was pretty unreal. So we'll, t- we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, Kansas uh, came out and actually put together a 98-yard touchdown drive, but it wasn't enough. Oklahoma rolls to a 45-20 win over Kansas in Big 12 play. Oklahoma now 4-0 on the season, 1-0 in Big 12 play. Uh, so we'll keep you updated on other scores. Wisconsin blanked Kent State 48 to nothing. Uh, Jonathan Taylor goes for a program-tying record five touchdowns from scrimmage as he carries the ball 19 times for 186 yards. Big victory for Wisconsin as they move to 5-0. and uh, Penn State extends Purdue's woes with a 35-7 win. Uh, Purdue playing without both Elijah Sindelar and Rondell Moore, two of their best players, probably their two best players, for the Boilermakers, but Penn State absolutely thumps them 35-7. Sean Clifford passes for 264 yards and three touchdowns in that victory. Another big game earlier today, and this was a grinder. Number 19, Michigan hosting number 14, Iowa. It was the big noon Saturday game on Fox, uh, and Michigan grinds out a 10-3 win over Iowa. 
absolutely massive victory for Michigan, a team that had been reeling a little bit, even though they're only 4-1. and one. I know a lot of people were writing them off, but they are now 4-1 and one on the season, while Iowa falls to 4-1 and one in their own right. Nate Stanley, Iowa's standout quarterback, 260 yards passing, but most notably, three interceptions in the loss. Uh, Michigan made 10 points they scored in the first quarter in the first half, hold up in 10-3 victory. So congratulations to Jim Harbaugh's squad. And then one of the more notable results early on today was an upset we saw. Texas Tech hosting number 21 Oklahoma State. Well, Matt Wells' squad rolls out to a 45-35 victory. Jet Duffy in at quarterback for Texas Tech. 424 yards and four touchdowns in the win. TJ Vasher, 110 yards receiving, one touchdown for the Red Raiders in that victory. So big victory for Matt Wells' squad. They're now 3-2 and two on the season, 1-1 one and one in Big 12 play. Oklahoma State probably going to drop out of the top 25 as they fall to 4-2 and two on the season, 1-2 and two in Big 12 play. So we'll keep you updated, like I said, on scores around the country as we roll through today's show. I, I've actually got one that's okay. kind of important for uh, local. Yeah. I'm a big fan of following these smaller conferences. In the big sky right now, yeah, we got Idaho State yeah. is leading Montana. Cool. 17 nothing going into half, which has huge implications for Weber because if Montana were to lose today, yeah. that basically makes the big sky a wide-open race and gives – Weber a shot to win and Montana's a pretty good team this year yeah so we're big fans of Idaho State today um Southern Utah is in action at Portland State that kicks off in just mere moments I believe two yeah 205 mountain time so it should be kicking off here momentarily up there in Portland Oregon at Hillsborough Stadium Weber State in action at Idaho they're up at the Kivy Dome in Moscow or Moscow, I don't know how people in Idaho prefer to pronounce it. Weber State in action against Idaho. That comes up at 3 o'clock. We'll keep you updated on those scores as today's show rolls on as well because there are two other local teams in action. All right, let's run on some other uh, headlines for you guys. Of course, later on tonight, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off, Utah Jazz basketball is back. Uh, the Utah Jazz open up the preseason schedule tonight as they host the Adelaide 36ers from Australia's National Basketball League. Of course, you'll hear every moment of the game right here on your radio home for the Utah Jazz, the Zone Sports Network. David Locke and Ron Boone will be on the call, of course. Jake Scott and Britton Johnson will have pregame, halftime, and postgame uh, reaction for you to this contest. And I'll be honest, uh, Adelaide is a team that I uh, – should come in they'll give it their best go but the Utah Jazz should make quick work of this team and it should be a good tune-up opportunity for them as they've been going in training camp for just over a week now of course we had uh, Utah Jazz media day earlier this week you heard all of that right here on the Zone Sports Network coaches players executives from the Utah Jazz all speaking to the media particularly Hans and Scotty as well as some of them on the big show Uh, exciting exciting season ahead I'm very excited to see what the Utah Jazz can do this year a lot of expectation for this team because, let's be real, you traded for Mike Conley, a guy who's been criminally underrated his entire career playing for the Memphis Grizzlies. You pay big money to bring in Boyan Bogdanovich from the Indiana Pacers, a guy who really carried the Pacers to the playoffs last year after Vic- Victor Oladipo went down with the season-ending injury. The Utah Jazz have a lot of expectations heaped upon them this year, and for good reason, because they are expected to contend in an increasingly more difficult Western Conference. Uh, You feel like the Utah Jazz improved? Well, guess what? The Los Angeles Clippers improved. The Los Angeles Lakers improved. Even lower teams have improved to a degree. Teams like Dallas, Phoenix, they've all improved. Oklahoma City, the Thunder, might be the one team that you probably look at and say, you know what? 
Oklahoma City's probably going back down a little bit, whereas everybody else is ascending. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Utah Jazz can do. They are in action tonight. Like I said, 7 o'clock tip-off right here on the Zone Sports Network. You can watch it on AT&T Sportsnet as well if you're trying to watch that game. Uh, get the uh, get all the play-by-play action. Craig Bolajak, Matt Harpring will be on the call on NTNT and Sportsnet. Kristen Kenny, of course, working the sidelines of those games as well. They do a bang-up job over there on AT&T Sportsnet. So it's an exciting time. Utah Jazz basketball, the NBA season, well on its way. I think we're just over two and a half weeks out from the actual regular season beginning. Exciting times. We've got a lot of expectations here in the state of Utah for this Utah Jazz team. And, of course, the best coverage of it will be right here on the Zone Sports Network. All right, a couple other things we need to run down. In the NBA, um, we've got other teams in action this weekend in NBA action. Let me run down some of the other games if you're looking forward to them tonight. Uh, let's see, Los Angeles at Golden State. Los Angeles at Golden State at 6 p.m. They'll be on TNT. It's actually a national, national broadcast of that game. We'll see if anybody from the Lakers and Golden State really plays their star players in this game. It should be interesting to track their other teams in action. Orlando at San Antonio at 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time. And the nightcap tonight will, of course, like I said, be uh, Adelaide at Utah. We did have a game earlier today, though, in India, of all places. The first game, first games ever played in the country of India. Sacramento, of course, Vivek Ranadive, the owner of the Sacramento Kings, is an Indian native. He's from the country of India. He took his Sacramento squad over to India. They played against Indiana. The second game of that series, Indiana rolls to a 130-106 to victory. So congratulations to the Pacers on that win. Big ups to uh, – it's, it's cool, I guess, uh, to see that the, the NBA continues to expand their footprint globally. We've seen games in China. We're going to see them in China again this year. We're going to see games in, uh, in Japan, I believe, this year as well as these games in India. David James yesterday on DJ and PK in the morning brought up that he wants to see um, every team, so essentially all 30 teams in the NBA, go around the globe, wherever it may be. You set up different locations. You have teams go to Dubai. You have teams go to Australia. you got teams going to Europe. You go to London, uh, Paris. You can go to Berlin if you want, even into Russia, I suppose, if, if you really want to deal with that geopolitical situation right now. You go around the world, you send every team out in the early part of the preseason. We're talking like this week of the preseason, where it's the first week. You go play one or two games internationally, help build the brand, the global appeal of the NBA, and then you come back home, get yourself back adjusted, and then we kick off the season. DJ brought that up, and we're going to play an interview later on where David Locke, who joins uh, all the shows here on the Zone Sports Network throughout the week, but he's on DJ and PK in the morning on Friday mornings. Uh, he came on yesterday, and he actually had an interesting argument that he thinks that they should set up eight different spots in the uh, in the globe. So you find the hot spots. Uh, let's say Dubai is one of them, India is another, China is one of them. He said you pick eight different spots internationally. You expand the NBA by two teams, so you get to 32 teams. And he proposed that you bring Seattle, the SuperSonics, back in, and the Van- and bring Vancouver in as a new franchise. Give them give the Grizzlies nickname back. That's just my thought on that. You get to 32 teams, and four teams go to these international locations every year. So you have four teams going to, let's say, Dubai, four teams going to Sydney, Australia, four teams going to Shanghai or Beijing in China. You've got eight or so teams going to Europe. You send them internationally and give them their opportunity to really highlight the best players in the world. That doesn't already happen? 
it's it's happening to a degree. That's why I said it earlier on. We've got teams in in India this this week. We've got teams in China right, but for, and Japan for regular season games. It's not happening. That's just a little bit wild to me because the NFL has international games. They have the London games. Even the NHL has a European yeah. series that so, they do. So every the year. Jazz actually sent a team to Mexico City last year. They played right. the Orlando Magic down there for one game. Orlando played two games in Mexico. David's proposing, yeah, we do this in the regular season, and I think it'd be kind of cool. But it's the logistical nature of this. NBA teams, and Eric, I can tell you this much: NBA teams, they don't, don't want to travel. Give, no, it's not they don't want to travel. They don't want to give up home games. Does that make sense? Right. The home less money. The home revenue, yes, the revenue streams for these lower lower teams, like lower division. That's probably not the right term, but these smaller market teams, they don't want to give up that revenue stream. So Adding you, to David's idea. Yeah. So what you could do is they want a mid-season tournament. Make those four locations send send That's, four to eight teams yeah. there. Have a mid-season tournament, and the winner of that tournament makes enough revenue so that they make up for the home games. Maybe so. Yeah, maybe that's that's the right idea to do it. Well, like I said, we'll play that interview. You'll hear more about what David's idea is on it. I think it's a fascinating idea to continue to build the brand by going international. I think it's a genius idea. I'm more convinced that the preseason is the right time to do this because if you're sending a team to uh, Australia, let's say, for example, uh, we have Joe Ingles on with DJ and PK each week. Joe talks all the time about the just the rough nature of traveling to and from Australia. He says if you go to Australia, you don't spend more than if you spend less than a week there and you travel right back, your body's just going to be all kinds of messed up because it's a 23 hour flight to get to Sydney, and that's the east coast of Australia. He says it just messes you up. So you, I think the best bet, just in my mind, is that you have that international series take place in the preseason. Who knows? Maybe I'm up to the night. Let me know what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter. Hit me up at Jacob C. Hatch. Eric, where are you at again? At Eric 18 Utah. Eric 18 Utah. And of course, you can hit us up at the at, at Zone Sports Net as well. Let us know your thoughts on Twitter. If you'd like to use the app, send in your take on whatever we're talking about today. NBA, college football, NFL, whatever you want to hit on, use the app on the Zone Sports Network app. There's a thing called the open mic feature, and it's one of my favorite things we have developed in the last three or four years here on the station. You can record your take up to 15 seconds, send it in. It goes to a computer that Eric has in the control room there. He can play that audio right here on the Zone Sports Network. So send in your audio. Let us know what you think of anything you've got takes on during today's show. So it should be a lot of fun. We'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon on college football and the like. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back on the other side. We'll run down some of the other headlines and other sports going on. And, of course, we'll also get to some interviews later on in the show. Like I said, you're going to hear from Kyle Gunther. We'll also get to Brian Kill and David Locke. And, of course, we probably need to do a special edition of Technical Fouls. There's some interesting news out there in terms of people behaving inappropriately or Schools that thought that a certain musical act would come and be, I know, G-rated when we all know that that's not going to happen. We'll get to that. That's all coming up right now, up up next here on the Zone Sports Network. Of course, this show, Saturday show, title sponsor on the show is our good friends at Stockton 12 Honda. Can't thank them enough for their continued sponsorship of this show. Check them out at the Southtown Auto Mall, 10860 South State Street. Go on by full lineup of Hondas and also used cars Great deals all the way around. We'll run down more about what they're offering our listeners as well. Thanks again for joining us on a Saturday afternoon. Enjoy whatever's left of your Saturday, wherever you're at, up and down the Wasatch Front. We'll talk to you here in just a minute. This is the Saturday Show on the... Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store... 
We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show with Adrian Lizer and Jake Hatch on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Well, it's, it's exciting. I mean, he's very talented, probably one of the more talented guys I've had a chance to have as a teammate, and, and he's just so selfless at the same time. The guy that makes plays for a lot of people, can take over games, and, and for me, just to be able to sometimes just watch, uh, just be in a corner and just watch it happen will be fun, and it should be just a, a fun ride for everybody. I think it's really tough to block it out in today's world with how much we're on our phones, how much we're, you know, seeing it. So the biggest thing for us is, I think Mike said it before, like just focusing on what we can do, you know, what we what we control. We control what we can control. You know, at the end of the day, moves have been made in the West when people are going to say whatever they want to say. But for us, we, we have to start over, really. You know, we have eight new guys, I think, believe something like that. So we have to we have to start from scratch, kind of. We, we have a platform, we have a base, but we got to build from that. And I think that's really where our head is at. You know, I don't think... Any any guy in the locker room is saying, oh, we're this in the West or we're that or we could be here. I think that's kind of setting yourself up for failure if you start to look too far ahead. Uh, the biggest thing is just continuing starting with tomorrow. You know, tomorrow is going to be one day and then we start focusing on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and then we get ready for our Adelaide and then continue to go from there. Well, honestly, I can go to the gym whenever I wanted to shoot. I think that's one of the things you really miss when you, you get hurt. And I think just being able to just say, you know what, I'm going to go two days today, you know, even sometimes three, being able to have that mindset coming in. You know, obviously I started a little bit earlier. I think we both did starting early just because of a FIBA coming uh, that, that came up but you know I'm just excited to just play basketball I think that's the biggest thing like I'm I could just feel it you know I'm just excited to be healthy at the beginning of the year because I remember how tough last year was especially for me just not even during the season but just kind of getting to this point of getting to a point where you feel just healthy you know I think so I cherish that because you know it wasn't there and I think that's what's different between this year and last year. There you go. Donovan Mitchell, some of his thoughts on the offseason hype for himself. Mike Conley also talking about him there. Uh, thanks to Eric for putting that together. Big season ahead for the Utah Jazz, as I mentioned in the first segment. Welcome back to the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network, brought to you by Stockton 12 Honda. Uh, thanks for joining us on a Saturday afternoon. We'll keep you updated on everything going on in college football throughout the afternoon, but Utah Jazz basketball is back. There is a game tonight. The Adelaide 36ers from Australia's National Basketball League are in town. They made the long trip from Adelaide to Salt Lake City to face off against the Utah Jazz in preseason action. Play-by-play uh, -play -play coverage comes your way at 7 o'clock. Pre-game starts at 6 o'clock right here on the Zone Sports Network. Of course, we'll keep you updated on anything newsworthy coming out ahead of that game as we continue on throughout this afternoon. But there you go. Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell talking about what uh, Mike Donovan Mitchell, he's got a lot of expectations heaped upon his shoulders. He's going into his third season, and he's a guy that has an opportunity here to really uh, make a, I don't make a stake to a claim of being a superstar in the NBA. Might be a little bit too strong of a term because I really do believe he's already become a star. He's proven that in his first two years in the league. Just been absolutely phenomenal for the Utah Jazz, but. He's got a big opportunity facing him here to really, I guess, yeah, just go out there and say, you know what, I am one of the top 20 to 15 players in the world. I'm capable of leading Utah to a top three or four seed in the Western Conference this year. Make a run in the playoffs is the hope for the Utah Jazz and should be an interesting season. Well, a guy who knows a lot more about basketball than I know about basketball is David Locke, of course, the play-by-play -play voice of the Utah Jazz. He joined uh, David James yesterday here on the Zone Sports Network. He makes uh, weekly visits on all four of our daily shows across DJ and PK, Tony and Austin, Hans and Scotty, as well as the big show. 
He joined D, uh, DJ yesterday on DJ and PK in the morning to talk a lot about what he expects from this team, what he's seen at training camp so far through a week, and he also gives us an update on what happened with his daughter's stolen golf clubs that have since been recovered. So here you go, David Locke with David James right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, and David Locke, jazz radio broadcaster, joining us. David, good morning. Good morning, DJ. PK's got a How little, are you? PK's got a little time off, so you're going to have to deal with me. I admire him for his use of vacations. Spotting it Very wisely. He's, he's high on the efficiency scale. Exactly, exactly. Spotting it wisely. Very efficient. All right, David, let's start off with business before we get to the hoops. The Adelaide 36ers are coming in, and I, I get, you know, you want to build a game across, you know, around the world and all that. And so this is probably a deal back in Australia, and there's two Australian players, so it's great. I get that. It's not terribly competitive. When they play these foreign teams in the past, they seem to win by 30 or 40 while playing the entire roster. So there isn't that much to get out of this. I'm a little surprised the NBA doesn't send more teams overseas for the preseason. I'm a little surprised the NBA doesn't send everybody overseas. You know, a week and a half, two weeks before the regular season opener. They have time to adjust when they come back. Is there any, uh, any thought to doing that? Because we are seeing games played in multiple countries now. That is my has always been my theory. I would actually... If I was to take it even further, I might do preseason at home and then send. Uh, it gets a lot easier when we if we would just add Seattle and Vancouver and move on with it. It would be a lot easier. We have 32 teams, and these things would be easier. Um, I would then take uh, eight locations, maybe the same eight locations every year. Frankly, um, so you're talking Beijing, Tokyo, Barcelona, Paris. Um, you know, whatever eight major cities that have. Uh, good enough arenas London, and have the Tokyo cup and have the Beijing cup and have the Paris cup and open the year with um, two games in a tournament, 14 tournament at those locations that actually count for the regular season. And that's how I would open the season. Uh, we always struggle. We push the season up forward. We're in the middle of the NFL and college basketball or NFL, excuse me, NFL and uh, Major League Baseball playoffs, if, they, if anyone still watches that. And we're, you know, we're in a, we're, we're not, I don't think, we don't resonate. So let's go overseas, resonate worldwide, um, start the season, then come back and probably take a 10-day window before we actually then start the, the season again with the home game schedules, let everyone get there over their jet lag and kind of almost have another home training camp. And go, and that would be my answer to this. That maybe, maybe we play some little games at home and things like that first, just to get ready, or almost like the way the NFL does with inter squad scrimmages, and then go overseas, play two games, but have the maybe it's by division, you know, and the divisions rotate, and so Oklahoma City, Portland, and Minnesota and Utah all go um, to Paris one year, and they go to Tokyo the next, and they go to Barcelona the year after that, and they go to Dubai the year after that, or they go to, you know, somewhere in India the year after that. So you mentioned inter-squad scrimmages. The Jazz have one. Did you get to watch it? And if so, did you figure anything out? Because there's some new faces and there's stuff to figure out. When did they do that? I heard they did it earlier this week. Is that not true? Well, I guess. I mean, they play five on five a lot. And um, Okay, that's good enough. What'd you learn? Did so, they bring it? Did um, they bring in refs? 
Yeah, I mean, they always like they always mm. have refs um, around. That's just kind of a common thing. Um, they had two guys that are G League college guys. I actually got to talk to them for a while, and there was a woman here as well. Um, so they, yeah, they'll bring in refs. Um, that's that's not uncommon. I think everyone does that. It's good for the refs too, frankly. Um, so it's you know they're playing, but it's not always. Um, I don't know. I, I sometimes might learn more out of how they're doing a drill or doing something of that nature or doing some different things than always the five on five. But I don't think I learned. Like I don't think I learned a great deal. Um, Donovan, you know, the other, yesterday was really funny that Boyan can really shoot it. Like okay, like we knew this. He's, I mean, he's Hornacek asking the shooting really. So you go look at his shooting compared to Jeff when Jeff came to us. I, I think there's a chance he could have a similar impact on this team. He's not. And he's a decent ball handler. That's the one that jumps out to me, David, more than anything else about this team. We've talked about the shooting so much and how much better the shooting is. It's really actually how much more playmaking there is, right? So the Jazz were the only team in the NBA that started two players that couldn't dribble, couldn't shoot, and couldn't really pass. Like, Derek got better at it, and Rudy's trying, but really couldn't. And then the guys they had coming off the bench at that position who have all sorts of strengths, but shooting – dribbling and passing were not strengths of Tabo Cephalosha and Jay Crowder. If the ball went on the deck for more than two dribbles with either of them, the third one was a, was a unlashed, you know, was, was getting into an adventure zone, right? Like, um, and so now you have your guys who are going to play the four are Jeff Green, Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, and Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal is probably the least good dribbling and passer of that group. And he's pretty good. So that, to me, is really um, what's the biggest change on this team. Any worries that the team is uh, smaller? That was a big, long, tough team in the past. And to get the skill, they had to give up a little of the size. How much does that bother you, if it does bother you? I think think that's real. I mean, there's still, like, so we're putting the defense on Rudy's shoulder, and and Ed Davis is probably as good and tough a backup center as there is in the NBA. And so, you know, can can the group defend? Now, Statistically, the, over the large sample size of multiple years, the Jazz have been better defensively when Rudy is on the floor with a small than he is with favors. And it is – I haven't thought about this recently until somebody tipped this off to me, and that is, you know, as much as we've always talked about the favors go bare defensive numbers and how great they are, they're a little misleading because they're always in the first six minutes of the first and third quarter when a team's never in the penalty and the most efficient possession is free throws. And if you actually look at the Gobert favors team defensively, the number one thing that jumps out is how, how low the foul rate is. And the foul rate's so low because they only played the first five, six minutes of quarters and, and they were huge. And so they didn't, so it's both skill, right? They desert like that matters that they were both so big they could just hold verticality. You didn't get to the rim and you didn't draw fouls. But they also were never in the, you know, they were never in uh, bonus. And so therefore, it it wasn't something that you that they had to worry about. So there's a little bit where that number. I've always been talking about the number of how good the Jazz defense was without Gobert, or excuse me, without favors on the floor with Gobert, and worried that my number was inaccurate because of the fact that it what didn't include minutes against starters. And someone pointed out to me that maybe those numbers are actually, the other numbers are inaccurate because they are never playing teams that are in the bonus. I thought that was pretty interesting. 
David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, you know, there's a lot of energy and a lot of time and a lot of money, actually, put into player development. Are any of the guys who are out of sight, out of sight, out of sight, out of mind, kind of 11 through 15 on the roster, going to play their way into much bigger roles and uh, surprise fans? Well, let's hope not, because if someone puts themselves into a much bigger role than either somebody was terrible or got hurt, hurt, right? Like at the, at this point in time, um, you know, there, there, if some, if one of these guys, none of those guys are like projected to be stars. So if they're, if they're moving into a much bigger role, um, that would be, that would be a problem. I do think that Mia One is going to work his way into the rotation. He's not having like a brilliant camp or anything, but he's just a lot more athletic than I think people realize. Donovan pointed that out yesterday in the media session. Um, I, I think that he is um, versatile so that he could, if, you know, Dante's not ready to go and Moody tweaks an ankle, you could probably play One while at the two or even with some ball handling skills while sliding Donovan or Joe over to the one. You could play, if, Somebody, you know, turns an ankle and we need backup two minutes. I think One could play that. So there's multiple ways for him to get on the floor. And I think he's athletic enough that he'll be able to hold his own. And I think he's bright enough that he'll be able to adjust his game to what's needed, which is always a big ask for a rookie who's come with a high usage rate. I don't think he'll struggle with that. So I think uh, to his credit, I think uh, he will probably be the one that works his way into some minutes and then just the way injuries work consistently kind of is out there this year. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Jazz. Uh, Pika and I were uh, looking at some of the stuff Vegas is putting out about the NBA, and under the theory that there's a lot of money at stake, uh, they really try to drill down and get it right. Uh, but they can be a little off because they are reflecting what fans think, trying to split the money on each side of a bet. So there's a little wiggle room there. But we saw that they gave the Jazz a 10% chance of winning the NBA title. That was the fourth best chance of anybody in the league. And the best at 25% was the Clippers. And 25% didn't feel like a big number when you think how heavily favored the Heat were and the Warriors were and even going back to Kobe's Lakers. Do you feel like 10% is about right? How hopeful should fans be? And is that the right ballpark? I mean, I just think it's a it's a mosh pit, really, because I think just we could be as good as I think we're going to be and be fifth. And we could be as good as I think we're going to be and be first in the West. Like, I think there's a, there's a really good chance that we end up first in the West. And I think there's a really good chance we end up fifth in the West. And I'm not even sure that we determine it. So what I mean by that is if the Clippers, you know, stay healthy and get a lot of game, get more games out of Paul George than it seems right now, or in the Kawhi doesn't load, they, they could be, you know, they could be better than us. And Houston could easily be better than us. And Denver's, loaded with talent and i thought they you know they have a bunch of statistical things that say they got a little lucky last year but they also could get better they're the youngest team of this group who's been together and has the togetherness i don't think that's as much of a positive as everybody else does but we'll see um in fact i think it's a negative but that's you know time will tell um the lakers could be great and so if those four teams are all really good we could be really good and be fifth in the western conference um we also could be like number two in the Western Conference and then get the Warriors in the first round with a healthy Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry and be, you know, who knows? So um, I think it's just such a wide ranging aspect of things. I do, I, I would say this 
my numbers projections offensively, which have generally been pretty good um, and have been able to, to identify some things, have us as the third-best offensive team in the league behind Milwaukee and the Clippers. Um, I just tweeted out my top 20 at Locked on Sports on Twitter if anybody wants to see it. So that if, to your question earlier, if we can answer that positively, that despite our lack of size and our lack of rebounding, we're still elite defensively because of the big guy, uh, then we could be really great. Um, then we could be top, you know, Milwaukee will be top five in both categories and be the number one seed in the East. And we would probably be the other team that has a chance to be top five in both categories. Hmm. Is there uh, anybody in the West? We expect some of the lottery teams to get a lot better. Obviously, the Lakers are a lottery team. They're going to get a lot better. But is somebody like Dallas going to blow up? I mean, Porzingis is there. But is it their first year together and they're still young, so they're still a ways away? Could Sacramento be much better? What do you think? So I have the Pelicans rating out really, really well. Um, I have the Pelicans rated out as about the 11th best offensive team in the NBA, which is much higher than most people. Um, and then I have them defensively being great. <clears throat> with Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Derek Favors, um, they're lacking some wing depth with the injury to Darius Miller. But I think you know they're going to have to be small. They'll have to play Jason Hart probably with Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday for minutes. Um, but I'm not sure that's a bad thing. Um, and they, so I have them very high. I have Phoenix as good offensively, above average offensively this year. So I have them probably as about the 10th team in the West instead of 15th, like most people do. Um, uh, just in the East, I have Brooklyn way better than most people. That's kind of the big pick I have is the Brooklyn. The move from an inefficient D'Angelo Russell to an efficient Kyrie Irving is being forgotten because all anybody can talk about um, – is the fact that they don't have Kevin Durant this year. I actually think they'll be about the third or fourth best team in the Eastern Conference and then without Durant. Um, what else I got for you? What else do you want to know? Is that good? Is that what you were looking for? That's pretty good. I, I like that. And we're, I, we're about I it. I have the King. I have the King still average. I have Dallas average offensively, but that really is based on, I don't have Luke at making a big jump this year just because I don't think really good rookies make a jump from year one to year two. Like Donovan didn't make a big jump last year and, nor did Jason Tatum, and none of those guys did because they don't. That doesn't happen. It happens year two to year three. Um, so Trey Young and Luka Doncic, I have as very similar players as they were a year ago. So you think Mitchell's going to make a big jump? Uh, if there's going to be a jump in his career, it's happening. It's going to happen now. Camp feels like he's primed for it, so we'll see. Okay, that's interesting. All right, last thing I want to know. The golf clubs were gone, and then oh. suddenly they were back. I beg for details on Twitter. I got a lot of retweets and likes of that. That really surprised me. I mean, they just kind of threw it out there. So what the heck happened? Did a, someone just carry him away by a, mistake? So kind of a wild story, and I there's like a mystery element, too, still that doesn't make sense. So just giving you the really quick version, which I'm not usually good at, uh, because our, when the this flight got scanned and when luckily my teenage daughter sent a text, we could take a five-minute window of which the, in which the clubs disappeared. The police were incredibly helpful, um, and surveillance video showed somebody taking them off the um, rack and walking away with them, which wouldn't be that big a deal if there was another set of clubs out there that looked exactly like those, and you just said, oh, this guy grabbed the wrong thing. But for whatever reason, there was no other club. So, you know, at the end of the whole thing, we sat there with nothing on that rack, and there was nothing there, and we were there for about an hour and a half afterwards dealing with stuff, and it never came. And so it got obviously really nerve-wracking. I finally, um, just because of her golf schedule, it wasn't one of those things where we could wait a week or two or three to find out if somebody called us and had the club. 
got tournaments coming up and didn't have anything to play with. So I was about to spend an awful large amount of money at night to buy her a brand new set of clubs. And uh, so I actually just went back down to Delta and kind of forced my way into the back of the baggage claim. And there was a guy down there named Luis Garcia, who was just incredible. Luis Garcia, uh, you're fabulous. Find me. I'll get you a game. Um, he was the best. And he, we went back into the back of baggage claim and found actually a bag that was exactly like my daughter's, researched it, found the guy, and he had accidentally picked up my daughter's clubs, but he had not looked at them and not seen the, you know, the little Hawaiian turtle or all the stickers on it that had phone numbers on it to call us and tell us that, that it was the wrong one. So, um, luckily we got them found. And, um, the only part of the story that's really funny is that, um, he got the call. He had, he, they walked on sports follower on Twitter. So he had been following the story and thought to himself, boy, what an a beep for someone <laughs> taking this kid's club. And then when he got the call from Delta, he just said his heart just sunk and suddenly went, Oh my gosh, I am that. <laughs> so that was the pretty funny part. Nice guy, BYU fan, um, out in Utah County. And we met and transferred, had a nice conversation. And, um, so it was all, it, was, it, it turned out fine because we got the clubs. It was pretty nerve-wracking, and she was pretty broken. And um, it's interesting, you know. The clubs were replaceable. All the stuff that was inside the bag was not, and that was probably um, the one that had me broken. Is she's very diligent about taking notes from about. So she has a little folder that has pairs of notes from lessons that she's taken that was in the bag, and that was going to be gone. And that institutional knowledge that she's really worked very hard to be diligent about her game would have been really sad to lose. But she's got it back, so we're all good. All right. Well. If that's the worst thing going on, too, there's also celebrate that. PK and I were talking about that. And I will also tell you this. You need to tell your daughter this, that I once stole a rental car. So that's kind of an embarrassing story. <laughs> it was the day of the Utes National Championship game with Kentucky, and I had to do talking sports on Saturday and Sunday and then fly in, and I'm tired and I disoriented. I get a rental car because this is 1998. We, we don't have Uber, mm-hmm. you know, that, right? I get the rental car. I drive to the hotel. And I just got to check in and drop stuff in my room and then go over to the arena and, and do some TV stuff. And Dave Fox and Jeremy Castro are already down there. They've been down there all weekend because of the semifinals on Saturday. So I, I go to the guy, hey, can you not valet this thing? Can we just leave it? And he said, yeah, leave it over there against the wall. And, but he said, leave the keys in it in case you have to move it because they're not supposed to do this. So I run in. I check in. I go up to my room, you know, ride the elevator up, throw my stuff in a room, run back down change into the TV gear up there, right? Run back down, get in the car, and then the Alamo Dome is basically on the other side of the freeway from the two Marriott's there on the Riverwalk. So it's like uh, three minutes, and I'm there. Pull into the parking lot, and I had, I had some stuff I had to get out of the car, the TV gear I had to take for them. And so I find the guys, and Jeremy's like, hey, I'll help you carry it. So we go back to the rental car. As we walk up, he goes, dude, what do you got a baby seat in the back for? I'm like, what? Oh, my God. I got the wrong car. Oh, no. And he just looks at me, shakes his head, and starts laughing. I pop in the car. I pop in the car. It's two and a half minutes back to the hotel, right? I pull in. Sure enough, same make, same model. Some probably did the same same color, and they did the same thing with the keys in it. And there's when I drive up, there's nobody around. The valet guy isn't there. He's off doing whatever, getting a car or whatever. I pull in right next to my car, which is still there. Get out. Leave the keys in it get in my car, drive back with the TV gear that had been at the hotel, not there. 
And as far as I know, nobody ever knew it was probably caught on a security camera, but nobody ever talked to me. So my guess is they were up in their room for 15 minutes, and I somehow hit that window just right, and it wasn't a thing. But if you see Jeremy Castor, you ask him, did you once look at a car in San Antonio, a DJ, and go, dude, what do you got a baby seat for? (laughs) That's so great. Can I share? I know we're way late. Can I share one that's not as good as that, but it's pretty funny? Go. So I came really close friends with some people on a vacation. They live in Seattle. We lived here. They my, they turned out turned out to be like our closest friends. In fact, my wife was at the Seahawks game with them and their kids last night. And so he drives down for Portland and to see me, and we're going to go have a lunch together um, when the Jazz are playing Portland. So I go. It happens to be Nike Hoop Summit, so I'm at the Rose Garden, and I'm in, and he says, "Hey, I'm just parked outside." Well, this is this crazy successful businessman is totally humble, and he says to me like, "I'm in a gray car." Well, it turns out he's like in a Porsche. Cheyenne, and he just doesn't want to say that to me. So he's really obtuse about what the car is. So he tells me where he's parked. So I'm like running around and pretty excited to see him and walking around the outside. And so I see this like Land Cruiser. I'm like, all right, that makes sense. Like, not, you know, one of those Ford, whatever those Toyota, whatever they are. And so I run up to the passenger seat and I open the door really lock esque aggressively with all sorts of energy and dive into the front seat of the car and this woman screams. <laughs> oh, man. David. I scream and I jump out of the car and run down the street. And that poor woman oh probably my God. She's calling. All right. She's calling the cops right now. This freak <laughs> hopped into my car. I feared for my life. I can hear that right now. Uh, all right. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm yeah. so sorry. Um, but I actually never said like sorry or anything like that. I just like ran away. <laughs> wow. All right, David. Thanks for a few minutes. Hey, we appreciate it. All, all right. right D- bye. There you go, David Locke with David James and some funny stories towards the end. I can totally see David Locke just wa- running up, opening the door. Hey, and they start screaming, and he just takes off the other way. Anyways, uh, good stuff there. Interesting to hear him talk about uh, Mieoni. He thinks he's the lone uh, rookie or newcomer to the Utah Jazz who's not necessarily being counted on to be part of the rotation that he thinks has the skill, the ability, the uh, athleticism to make a jump up and in theory, um, make an impact for the Utah Jazz this year. He says, but what you hope is that none of these guys have to make a name for themselves. That means there's injuries that have beset this team, and I think we're all in agreement with that. So the Utah Jazz in action tonight, 7 o'clock tip-off between them and the Adelaide 36ers as the Utah Jazz open up their preseason schedule. Uh, pre-game comes your way at 6 o'clock right here on your radio home for the Utah Jazz, the Zone Sports Network. All right, coming up next, normally – the 250 segment is our five minutes of soccer, but we didn't have time to do our technical fouls yet today, so we're going to do technical fouls next, maybe mix in some soccer thoughts as well. We'll get to all that next right here on The Saturday Show. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal foul. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. I'm Jay Catch, and look who decided to show up. My bad. I didn't mean. I didn't know the mic was on, so I said what's up to Eric. <laughs> oh no, you weren't on. I oh. kept you up. All right, okay. perfect, cool. Well, hey, what's up? Adrian Lizer's here. I happy am. birthday! Thank you. Thank oh yeah. By the way, happy birthday, sir. Big thirtyness. Three zero. 
milestone. I know, I know. I've been stressed about it for. Yeah, you're all right. Anything change in your life? Uh, my back suddenly hurts more. Oh, but... good. Okay. All right. Welcome to thirty. But thirty, you know, I spent the morning and all last night in the gym at a, the uh, claim. I think it's called the claim jumper tournament down there at Bingham High School. Okay. And West Jordan High School yesterday, so it's a lot of fun. And uh, now I'm here. All right. Well, so sorry I'm late, but I appreciate you letting me come well, host, we didn't, co-host the show that we host together. Yeah, we didn't anticipate you showing up because yeah, we were I hoping didn't your, your team was going to do better. But I thought we would, too. But today yeah. didn't go exactly according that's to plan, okay. and that's okay. Uh, you know, we learned a lot. We got better, as yeah. coaches say. So, <laughs> Well, that could be an, an interesting injury there for Florida. Kyle Trask, the guy who replaced Felipe Franks, is down. Looks like he's in a lot of pain. Yep, that does not seem comfortable. Yeah, so Florida up 14-13 on Auburn. We'll keep you updated on those scores. But, Adrian, this is technical fouls. We didn't do it earlier in the show because, well, Utah State was on the air. I had two stories here I wanted to go through. Okay, go for it. We're going to start off in Lawrence, Kansas, uh, Dateline last night. Uh, University of Cadness had their late night at Fogs, what they call their kind of their midnight madness event for their college basketball program. And they'd been uh, promoting that Snoop Dogg, the hip hop mogul himself, was going to be performing at this event. And it did not go according to plan, apparently, Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, Kansas Athletic Director Jeff Long issued an apology late last night following the, the performance by Snoop Dogg. That included pole dancers, a money gun, All right. and profanity. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> one of those should be expected. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't okay. know about pole dancers and a money gun, but hey, whatever. Okay. So the quote says, "Kids will be kids." Yeah. Quote: We apologize for the Snoop Dogg performance at Late Night Long. Said in a statement, we can, made it clear to the entertainers and managers that we expected a clean version of the show, sure. and took additional steps to communicate that to our fans, including moving the artist to the final act of the evening to ensure that no basketball activities would be missed if did not, if anyone did not want to stay for his show. I take full responsibility for not thoroughly vetting all details of the performance and offer my personal apology to those who were offended. We strive to create a family atmosphere at Kansas and felt short of that this evening, unquote. Way to go, Kansas. You brought in Snoop Dogg and you expected him to do what? On the other hand, that's just like the greatest college story of all time for like all those Kansas kids. Yeah, it was was pretty funny, though. So, yeah, uh, good times out there at Kansas. All right, I got one other one here, and this one's got a little more serious of a note. I got a funny one, then. Okay. Do you want me to go s- laugh to yours? Uh, no, let's go. I want the funny one to finish this Okay, out. sounds good. on a high note here. Because mine has to do with Kansas as well. Um, Ennis Cantor, of course, is persona non grata here in the state of Utah for most Utah Jazz fans, just m- mainly due to how he left the franchise after they had drafted him. Well, unfortunately, he went to uh, the local mosque out there in Boston. He's now a member of the Boston Celtics, alongside teammate Taco Fall Friday afternoon, and was harassed by um, fellow Turkish citizens who he claims were supporters of of, uh, Turkish President uh, Erdogan. uh, Erdogan? Yeah, Erdogan. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. This guy goes to worship at a mosque, and walks out, and him and his teammates are there. They're going back to have another practice that day. They're going back to practice, and apparently, according to this video, you see, you can see video of it. These two guys are just harassing him over his. He doesn't necessarily subscribe to like Erdogan. They've pulled his uh, passport from Turkey and whatnot. Yeah. It's caused all kinds of issues for himself. Here's the thing: 
I think any of us, regardless of whatever you believe in in this world, think that if we go to our house of worship, whatever it may, it may be, a, a chapel here in the, for the church, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, mosques for members of the Muslim faith, synagogues for the members of the Jewish faith, leave people alone. Come on now. Yeah, as much as, uh, you know, Cantor gets... Um, he gets, you know, people make fun of him a lot for some of yes. his antics. Yeah. But this stuff that he's facing from Turkey and the Turkish government and supporters of what he is, what he protests against, that's real stuff. He can't go home. He to can't. His home he literally country. can never go home. Yeah. And remember when he was traveling a little bit, they tried to like, they tried to detain him while he was overseas yeah. in a different country. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's dealing with serious stuff. And yeah, Just, especially you know, uh, in the United States where. We yeah. we preach the fact that you should be able to go wherever you want and worship how you want. Yeah, and, so uh, it's unfortunate that he had to go through that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Eric, you had one real quick. Yeah, um, it's more just a note. I love hockey. Okay. Uh, hockey's back. The it one is. thing I cannot stand about hockey and that I think needs to change, I just can't stand shootouts. There have been too many shootouts early in the NHL season. And I, I just think they should – I love their new overtime format where they play three-on-three. Three. I believe yeah. they should be able to do that for a full 20 minutes. And with NHL – long – Well, <laughs> until so until someone scores. Also a golden goal. And, yeah. Okay. Which is kind of how overtime works. But currently it's limited to a five-minute period. Okay. They need to extend that to a full 20 minutes like a playoff game because with NHL-level athletes, you're always going to get a game winner with three-on-three – within 20 minutes yeah there's all this pressure to get times down but in the NHL I don't even really like the three-on-three necessarily just I wish they would just continue to play and just make a goal like the playoffs yeah or make it golden goal and call it full strength golden goal and call it good yeah because I mean the three-on-three is a little gimmicky to me but I understand what you're saying that they're trying to get guys out there to make it kind of look like a game have you ever watched like it is Super fun to watch. I, I I will stand on the hill of the three on three for a while because it just it's it opens action, up it, yeah. it, it is, yeah. opens up so much space and it allows the best like athletes and skaters in the world to kind of use their full bag of tricks. Yeah, yeah that's true. I All get right. that, but it's like if if it's the NBA, I wouldn't be like, let's play two on two. Yeah, we're not gonna play two on two when we get or overtime. three on three even. But I don't like shootouts. I'm with you. I'm not yeah. a big fan of that. Um, right. my last one is. Uh, or mine is Oklahoma today playing Kansas, had a first and goal and ended up having to punt because they ran a triple reverse that ended so badly that they were back on their own almost the 50-yard line. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But they ended up winning the game. They so. did, but still. Yeah, for you to have first and goal and then – Punt from the 50? We punted on fourth and goal from <laughs> our 40 – And 26. that's the best part because the graphic says fourth and goal because yeah. they got – And you see them, yeah, yeah backed up. All yeah, right, so, so there you go. Technical fouls uh, – Glad to have you back, Adrian. Yes. We've got another hour of the me. Saturday show coming up next. Got a lot to get into, college football, Utah Jazz basketball. There's plenty to get to, so we'll get to all of that next right here on the Saturday.